0: Well, some of y'all might know me as uh, the guy who sings on the worship team at the main sanctuary. Some of you might know me as Mr. Blue. Uh, There's a few that attend here that are not here tonight that know me as Uncle Blue. One of you knows me as Dad. Um, But the reality is I I wasn't a lot of these things or not very good at them back in the day. Um, Believe it or not, I was a kid once. I really was. It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But, um, you know, I was bullied in school, um, got in a couple fights because of it. Um, I won. There's, you know, not that y'all really needed to know that, but, you know, <clears throat> I'm a man and all. And um, but the reality is, was I was also a teacher's pet in one class. I was picked on by people. I was looked at like I was ugly by girls. I, I was shy. I was very scared of girls. So I, my first girlfriend didn't come along until I was 19. Um, and when it did, she broke my heart into about a billion pieces. And up until that point, um, I, I I wrote poetry. That's right. Look at me all crazy. I wrote poetry, big guy like me. But when she broke my heart, and I wasn't saved, keep this in mind. I grew up in church, but church never grew up in me. Does that sound familiar? When she broke my heart, it, it there was something that was so broken in me that I didn't know what to do with it. So I, I mowed grass and made some money, and I had my dad pick me up old beat up guitar in Austin, Texas, and it had a pencil instead of a bridge. Somebody had put a pencil in there. You know what I'm talking about? Still musicians. And the strings were about six feet off of the fretboard, which means that my fingers were cut up just trying to learn to play on my own. And so I started writing songs, you know, the heartbreak country type songs. And then as time went by, when I started playing these songs, I noticed that the girls kind of paid attention. Well, that opened up doors to opportunity. And so I started getting better at playing music and writing songs and singing Because it attracted the females. Now, some of you boys in here, don't be acting like you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? But the reality on that, too, is I was using a gift that God had given me for the wrong purpose. I was using the tool that God gave me of worship, of being able to play an instrument and write songs that would touch the heart of people. But I was using it to build my kingdom. Instead of his. And then getting frustrated when it never happened. I wasn't even going to share this tonight. But the Lord showed me during worship. Who picked the worship songs? Rachel. Rachel didn't know what I'm preaching about. Every song hits the same topic that I'm going to be talking about tonight. Could you put that song, that last song, uh, Waste, I'm going to waste it. Put that, that verse that that up there. The one that says, I'm going to waste it all on you. I want to waste it all on you. I want to pour out my heart's perfume. I don't care if I'm called a fool. I'm wasting it all on you. I love how Pastor Jacob came up and talked about wasting. What are you willing to waste? To those who are not saved or don't know Jesus, we look like we're wasting our time. But to those who know the love and the mercy and the grace that Jesus has offered every single one of us, none of this is a waste. Let me assure you. So tonight, I want to tell you, first of all, thank you, Pastor Jacob, for this opportunity. I wish growing up in church, I had a lot of adults, but nobody guided me. You have somebody who's here to guide you. You have several that if you have questions, no matter what they are, they'll be willing to point you to the Bible and point you to Jesus for the solution. Do y'all, do y'all understand that tonight? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, good. So tonight, I want to talk to you about something that had I known this when I was 14, 16, 19, 25, 38 and a half, because I wasn't saved till I got 39 years old. I wasted The first 39 years of my life trying to do stuff that was never ended up right, never ended up right. If somebody would have told me what true worship was back then and helped me and guided me, I know my life would be even better than it is now. But let me tell you, God has restored what the enemy has taken from me, and He's given me more. But it's because the first thing He taught me when I finally surrendered and submitted was what is true worship. So tonight I hope and I pray that every single one of you has a new perspective on what worship truly is and why we need we need to have true worship in our lives. So most people would say, when you ask them the question, what is worship? Singing, right? Raising your hands. Right? Y'all good? Y'all out there? Hello, is this thing on? Okay. Look, look, there's no points for class participation, but, you know, it's okay if you say something, okay? Let me ask you two questions to start off with. First, how many of you, raise your right hand if you can't stand it when people treat you like a kid. Raise your right hand. Keep your hand up. Don't put it back down. Keep it up. Raise your left hand if you can't stand it when people lie to you. Now, I want you to look around the room at the person next to you
1: the first thing you, you say when you see arms like this is surrender, right?
0: Would you agree? Okay. The true definition, y'all can put your hands down, by the way. The true definition of worship is the act of showing love and respect to God. Now, can you do that through music and singing? Yeah, absolutely. But worship is so much more than a song. Worship comes from an old English term, worth-ship, which is giving something of worth to your God. Worth-ship assigns a value to God, and it's a value that means he is worthy of surrendering something to him. I want to start, if you have your phones or if you follow along on the screen, Matthew 26, verse 6 through 13, Jesus has come into a Pharisee's house who invited him in for dinner. And while he's there, the Pharisees are looking down on him because he's not one of them. And in verse six, it says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon, the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this, what's that word? Waste. They asked, this perfume could have been sold at a high price and money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Point number one, true worship is surrender. In Luke seven thirty-eight, which is another version of what happened in, in this home, 38 says, as she stood behind him, that word stood actually means laid down. Now, I don't know why they translated it to stood. I don't know how you can stand behind somebody at their feet unless you're like bending over touching your toes. I don't know. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Point number one, true worship is surrender. She was at his feet. In order to be at the feet of Jesus, you have to be in a submit and surrendered position on your knees or on your face. Would you agree? Worship is not something that is automatic. It requires you and me to move into a posture of surrender. So what does that look like for me and you? Romans 12, one through two says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect i want to point out two words from that scripture living sacrifice see this scripture signifies that our transformation will not only be evident inside but outside as well see i'm i'm going to be open and honest here because i want you to understand You are not dealing with a whole lot of different things that I or other kids my age when I was growing up was dealing with. Okay. Like I said, I was picked on. I was always heavy. I was always picked on for my weight. I struggled a long time with this scripture after I got saved when it came to my weight because it says to give your body as a living sacrifice. Let's look at the facts. If I'm giving my body as a living sacrifice, why am I eating triple water burgers? I mean, let's be real. I had the most difficult time with this scripture. I had most everything else surrendered, but this food thing was so difficult. I actually had a pastor years ago tell me flat out when I asked him for advice because I knew I'd been called to be a pastor. He said, you're too fat.
1: That was awful nice of him. How can you be a pastor if you're fat? He asked me. Listen,
0: okay, so it was true. But this method of application needed a little bit of work. Would you agree? His bedside manner needed some help. I had not surrendered my emotional eating and bad habits to God's will. Now, my family goes about three times a week and exercises together. We're we're not eating as stupid as we used to. I've lost eight pounds because I finally have surrendered that area of my life and God sees that as worship. Does that make sense? Some people have even told me they've noticed a difference. They've noticed my surrender, which brings me to point number two, true worship is visible. Worship is an internal and external action. And as such, it should be visible to everybody. Now, I know some of y'all probably had your anxiety meter pop up because y'all have some, you know, maybe some of y'all don't like people or gatherings. I'm not saying you got to run around with flags every time somebody picks up a guitar and sings kumbaya. That's not what I'm saying. Um, What I am talking about is, turning my page, worship being a visible representation of your faith and your love of Christ. And most of the time, it has nothing to do with a song. Psalms 19, one through 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Has any of y'all ever seen a, seen a cloud singing karaoke? Anybody? Okay. Have you ever heard the stars singing? Do you see rocks? coming into church and praying. And yet the Bible says that every creation glorifies God. So the question is how? With music? No. Everything in creation glorifies God because it does what he he created it to do. Does that make sense now? Look, I, I fought many years trying to be different, trying to be somebody, trying to be famous. I chased Nashville for many years, Trying to be the next, which y'all probably wouldn't know Billy Ray Cyrus if somebody walked in the room. But I was trying to be the next, you know, Luke Combs back then. I was trying to be somebody and always failing because I was doing it wrong. I thought it was all about the music when what it was about is God transforming me into who he created me to be in the first place. Let me give you an example. If you're really good at cooking, how many of you raise your hand if you're good at cooking? If I told you, hey, you're good at cooking, I want you to go put some uh, ceramic tile down. Does that make any sense? Okay. Because I was trying to do something that God didn't create me to do. My gifting was for one thing, and I was using it for the wrong thing. Does that make sense? My worship came into play when I started doing what he created me to do. Not when the song I sang was good enough. Not when my voice didn't crack. Not when I hit the wrong string. It's all about my actions in submitting and surrendering and being visible in my surrender.
1: Y'all good? Every creation points to a
0: maker who took great care in creating all of us. So if the planetary bodies are worshiping
1: and giving glory to God, what should we do? Anybody? Worship and how do you worship by
0: doing what God created you to do and they're not singing songs
1: they're they're giving
0: worship and glory to God by doing what they created him he created them to do let me put it this way and I'm going to ask a tough question right now you don't have to answer out loud okay but is the things that you're doing with your mind and your body something you would do if Jesus was standing right in front of you watching
1: If you can't say amen, you can say ouch. Matthew 26, 6 through 10
0: says, While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why the waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price, money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. This is a beautiful picture of surrender and visible true worship right here. Okay? Bowing down and surrendering her precious perfume. Biblical scholars say that this perfume, when they say it was worth a year's wages, was about $56,000. Do you have $56,000 to give to Jesus right now? They got a box right back there. You can just put it in. Would you think that $56,000 is a waste if you didn't know that Jesus delivered her from demonic spirits and forgave her of her sins? See, it's about perspective. Our worship, our idea and perspective of worship needs to change. Because if we stay with worship being about a song, we'll never get the freedom And we'll never walk in what God has called us to do. Not one time did she sing, i raise a hallelujah. No, no, she didn't at all. She cried. She wept. She kissed his feet. She let her actions speak in true worship. Worship should be visible where all who see your actions will know that Christ is your Lord. True worship is surrender, it requires humility, and true worship is visible, it should be seen through our actions, more than our song, that Jesus is Lord. But along with being visible, point number three, true worship gives a pleasing aroma. Ephesians 5.2 says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There's something called an olfactory memory. That means that you can recall odors and moments in your history, in your past, based on those odors. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. An article on PubMed says that mothers recognize their child by scent. And all humans are capable of discriminating between kin and non-kin folk by olfactory cues alone. We are wonderfully made. You know what I remember? I still remember my grandmother's smile every time I smell a pot roast being scorched down in a magnolite pot. Y'all know what smell I'm talking about right there? Those of y'all who have a mama that could cook, I know Joe cooks. I know your daddy cooks. Five minutes and I was ready to eat the pot and all because she just had that gift. And I remember that like it was yesterday. That is a great memory stimulated by a fragrance but let me tell you one day not long ago I was walking into work and I saw some pretty flowers outside the building that the boss had planted and look I'm not a flower guy I can do without them I probably eat them most of the time I I can live without them but these flowers were so vibrant and so pretty I said you know what I'm gonna cut a few of those I'm gonna put them on my desk and I'm gonna stink up the whole office with them with them flowers. As soon as I cut them, what do you think
1: I did? I put them under my nose and I sniffed real big. And you know what I smelled? Nothing. These flowers had no smell at all, at all.
0: I was so disappointed. I really had an expectation that what looked good would also have a good aroma. See, God showed me at that very moment that no matter how well I sing, no matter how good I play an instrument, no matter how good I do anything, whether it's flipping a burger and feeding the homeless, whatever it is, sitting in a hospital with a stranger, mowing somebody's lawn, if I don't do it with a heart for God, it's just a pretty flower with no fragrance. Does that make sense? Our worship should be done through love and patterned after Christ's love so that God won't take a big sniff and not find a smell. Our worship, not just the song we sing, but the action stemming from our heart for Jesus will be a precious fragrance to God. Oriana, can you come up with your perfume, please? I want to do something here. I'm going to get Joe to come up here in just a second, too. I want you to come right over here. And and what some would consider waste, I want you to shoot that about four or five times. All right.
1: Now, Joel, can you come up here real quick and see if you can walk right here and smell that? Even a little aroma of it? No? About over here, too? A little bit? Okay. So, well, that's that's my whole point.
0: Uh, and I'm glad it didn't backfire. ha <laughs> So, and I, I don't want to talk about nobody's perfume, but you probably didn't pay $400 for that bottle, right? Okay. So the more you pay for perfume, the stronger it is, right? So if you pay $30, $40 for some cologne or perfume, it, you spray it on, it's going to last you a couple hours probably at the most, right? Anybody familiar with that? Especially you ladies. But if you spent $200 on a bottle, if somebody came up and said, wouldn't you say, hey, hey, don't you be wasting my perfume now. I paid $200 for that. Some of y'all ladies in here smiling because I know y'all, talk, y'all know what I'm talking about. You don't want to waste the good stuff. This woman paid
1: $56,000 for her perfume. And she poured it all on Jesus. All of it. Let me ask you this question. If he could, look, I'm smelling
0: it right now, man. That stuff's like, that stuff smells pretty floral right there. That's good. If I can smell that, imagine this Pharisee waking up first thing the next morning, yawning and stretching, going to the toaster for his strudel. No, I didn't have a toaster back then. They probably wish they did, though. I love toaster strudels. And he's yawning and he's stretching and he walks into this place where everybody was sitting the night before, and this $56,000 perfume smacks him right in the nose. That aroma, that fragrance of worship that happened the day before. See, your worship leaves a fragrance. Your worship leaves the presence of God wherever
1: you worship. Amen? Amen. Finally, I think, yeah, is it finally?
0: Yeah. I thought I had five points. No, I do have five points. My bad. Number four, true worship comes from a pure heart. Can you put those pictures up for me one at a time? Y'all see that picture? Oh, look how pretty. All right, next one. I have no clue what it is, but it's pretty. Next one. I don't know what that is either but it's pretty. I got three pictures that my daughter Lacey gave me when she was about four years old. They're in my wallet right now. Okay. From four years old, she's 16 fixing to be 17. I've had these pictures for over 12 years in my wallet. I've had three wallets. The pictures went with each wallet. Have y'all ever given any pictures to your mom and dad? No matter how atrocious they were, Didn't they go on the refrigerator? Okay. So some of y'all have seen her drawings, and she's very talented. These are not the prettiest pictures she's ever drawn, technically speaking. They're faded, they're dingy, and almost unrecognizable after all these years. But why do I keep them when there are so much better pictures, technically speaking, that she's drawn because they came from my baby girl
1: who I love dearly. And she gave me these pictures from a pure heart. Y'all get what I'm saying? It's not how good you sing
0: or play an instrument. It's not how good you flip a burger. It ain't how good you clean a toilet. It ain't how good you usher at the door or greet people or run
1: media. It's about your heart. This is what God accepts, okay? The paper is not what holds the value. It's her love and
0: giving me something from her heart. If I value something given to me by my daughter this much, how much more does God value your worship when it comes from a true and a pure heart? Luke's description of this same story of the woman and her sacrifice of perfume and worship elaborates on the heart condition of this woman that caught Jesus's attention. Luke 7, 44 through 47 says, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. How many of you ladies in here would wipe
1: some dude's feet with your hair? You can say no, it's okay, but she did.
0: She wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little, loves little. You see, this woman was weeping, she was serving, she was surrendering, and she was kissing the feet of Jesus in front of everybody. Absolutely unashamed. I want you to understand, he wants your heart above all other things. A heart of true worship. Because point number five is true worship lingers. Now, you remember I talked to you about the um, perfume and how just, I still smell it, like right now. And this is not a $56,000 perfume. The aroma of true worship lingers. Mark fourteen nine says, truly I tell you, and he's talking about this woman. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. The fragrance of true worship lingers. I heard a story about a couple who'd went looking to buy a house. They came upon this little old lady and she was selling a house. Her husband had died and it was just too much of a house for her to deal with. So as they walked around the house, looking at all the different rooms, the, the the wife of the couple who was looking for the house walked into the closet and she said she nearly fell out. She told the old lady and her husband, she said, her husband and the old lady who was selling the house, oh my God, I feel the presence of God in here. She said, that's been my prayer closet for 26 years.
1: You see, true worship leaves a lasting impression
0: Just like this woman over 2,000 years ago, this woman pouring out her $56,000 perfume is still being talked about today. I wonder if the Pharisee that invited Jesus to the meal
1: woke up the next morning and got convicted when he smelled that perfume and remembered that he had not given
0: anything to Jesus except maybe a meal. And this woman, who he saw as a sinner and was ready to condemn and ridicule, had given everything that she owned to the one who had set her free.
1: So I want you to, at this point, bow your heads, if you don't mind. True worship is surrender. It requires humility. True worship is visible. It should be seen
0: through our actions more than our song that Jesus is who our Lord and Savior is. True worship gives a pleasing aroma. Remember the perfume. Next time time you help somebody who needs a hand, remember that this done for the heart of God leaves an aroma. True worship comes from a pure heart. Don't look at the outcome of what you're doing. You might not be able to hammer a nail as good as the guy next to you or the lady. But if you're doing it for a heart to serve others because of your love for God, that's true
1: worship. And finally, true worship lingers.